<laughs> I love him so much. I love him so much. Yeah, no, I do think we should intro it. And the way I'm thinking about doing it to some extent uh, is not to have an intro song, um, but more of just us talking. And at like some a cold point, open? yeah, and at some point yeah. when I like where the conversation goes, I'll just start it. Uh, I guess my my thought is just it'll be uh, very laid back. The whole purpose of this is us being fans. Um, it's nice, Pablo, that you've got a good bit of basketball knowledge. Um, I am actually quite curious to hear about what you think about Cardwell because I will. I mean, I want the guy to be good. Yeah. And it seems like people who know a lot more about basketball and who are more plugged in think that he is has made some real strides. I'm just hesitant to like make any sort of snap judgments based on yeah. the quality of competition over the next this right. game and now the next two games. Are you saying yeah. that you no, I think that's fair. You're not ready to call him the player of the year after he spent an afternoon dunking on five ten Israelis? Yeah, I mean I, I was stunned. <laughs> I knew Bruce had like prepared us to be like, we'll have the, the size and athleticism athleticism advantage, but when I turned on the game I was like, Oh, okay. I mean it's like every every big dude like Dylan, Johan, and Janai, which that is how you pronounce it, correct? Janai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, the, those dudes just those dudes just feasted because those those literal kids that were playing were so small. Yeah, I, and I read um, something. It was one of the Israel guys, like Israeli reporter or something. He was like talking with Jay, like on the timeline, and apparently a lot of the official like under 20 roster didn't actually play today because they just yes. competed in like the European yes. championships or whatever. I was like, so that, I mean, they, then they made it, you know, they might've only gotten beat by 30 or 40 instead of 60, you know, like could have, I know it still sounds crazy, but like it could have been a different caliber of player out there at some positions. Well, I had wondered if we were just going to run through all three of these teams. Like obviously the, I don't know, the actual yeah, national team, the senior national team, whatever you want to call it. Like I yeah. suppose that'll be competitive but even then i don't i have yeah, no I don't idea know how, how to gauge that right because i mean it's like grown-ass men and yeah they're doing it and been doing it for years so they're going to be sharp and skilled and all that good stuff but it's like where does that level of like just pure athleticism you know and like how that kind of ties in it's it'll be interesting to see and it's like i don't know it's hard to gauge because it's like even guys that play overseas and like european leagues and whatnot you know it's like that quality of player is still so good from like the average college basketball player, you know? So it's, it is, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm really intrigued to see how they do against that, like all-star select team, even more so than the national. Yeah. Team. The, uh, and I, Painter, we are, we are going, right? We're, we're, yeah, be yeah. Bad. this is bad podcasting, but I'm just making sure. Um, the shooting form on the, uh, the U20 Israel team was really a, a sight to behold. Um, really just, Really, just jacking threes. Um, I mean, I don't think they had a whole lot of choices. Pop that was though. the option. Yeah, that was the yeah. only option. Well, yeah, they had no inside. I think I want to say at some some point, like midway through the second half, they were like one for fourteen from three. Um, and you know, credit to those guys for going out there and playing this game. But it was it was amazing to watch. I do wonder what their prep was like because they had to know how this was going to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> like because you know, I mean, we've all probably team. played on a much, much lower level where it's like, 
oh, we're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know when it, you know when it's going down for sure. Um, I will say I, and again, this uh, you know, it, the competition is what it was. But even before this game, I have bought as much. I have maxed out my availability, my ability to buy stock in Chance Westry. Um, just gonna go for ahead sure. and assert myself as a number one Chance Westry fan. <laughs> Out there? I'm, I'm 1B then. I'm yeah. 1B oh, then. I'm, I'm all in on Chance Westry. All in. Uh, no, Ferg's, so the, I think it's in Ferg's observa- uh, um, observations today, he was like, Bruce Pearl has never had a play, like a natural playmaker who is that tall, and that, that sentence really got me going. Real excited about Chance Westry. Yeah, no, I, it's funny to think that, like, He's. I was enamored with him the moment I saw him on tape, like his like junior season. You know, we were kind of recruiting him and probably going to be the favorite to land him, all that kind of stuff. It, because just like that skill set at that size, I mean, he really is just like a six six guard that can just do everything. Like he's, I, I've said it before, like on the timeline, but like tall Samir. I mean, that's really what he is. You know, he's like six six version of what Samir is. You know, just that that creator, that half court. You put pressure in the full court. He sees everything so well. He's like smooth ball handling. I mean, he quite literally might be the best ball handler on the team, which is crazy. You know, I mean, he's incoming freshman, not experienced at all. And, like, just watching him today, even against bad competition, like, I might want the ball in that guy's hands as much as anybody, you know. And Wendell, obviously, you know, if, if he's progressed and, you know, he, he can definitely run the show too. But it's nice to know you've got that kind of secondary ball handler that can come in and just be a Swiss Army knife on a Bruce Pearl offense and play one through three just effortlessly. I think the one of the funny things, another thing that uh, Ferg mentioned in observations was Wendell was doing, like, Wendell was doing passes that were, like, so smooth and so surprising that guys like Janai Broom and Johan Troyer was like, what? Like, they had no idea. They didn't yeah. know where the ball was coming from because he was just, like, he was doing behind-the-back stuff. He was doing, like, passes through the lane. He look, he looks good. I mean, again, the entire team looks good because, like, you know, <laughs> they were, who they were playing. But it was, I honestly, the best part about it for me, and I think y'all would agree, is that, like, it is August 2nd and – Football season is rapidly approaching, and this football season is going to be, you know, it's going to be what it is. It's not going to – it probably isn't going to be great. So Auburn basketball on my TV (laughs) on August 2nd and the next two games is going to be very, very enjoyable. Yep. I guess we've – I'm sorry, go ahead. I was about to say, not to harp on Westry, but it's funny to think about him being like – Underrated when he was like a top forty player, like in the class. Yeah. But it, I mean, I just, I, I, just watching that guy, like I could not. It's still like I feel so disrespected on his behalf that he was not a five star <laughs> player. Like, it, it just, it blows my mind. Like I just was waiting on him to like get that five star, or that fifth star, and he just I never guess did, which is com- weird. Committing and sort of being as low key as he was about it as long ago as you you like fall to the wayside but no you do you do I mean, and i mean i, I think, think that really has like much to do with it sixth highest rated player in program history and Which for the most part we haven't about. spent any of this offseason talking about yeah. him right yeah, um and baller. he'll probably be the most valuable maybe the most valuable new addition well, i guess you've made it this far and so we should probably at least talk a little bit about what it is that is going on right now. Uh, if you have listened to us for a little while, 
you know these voices. That is uh, the voice of one Dave McKinney and Pablo Escobarner. Uh, you know, Ferg brings the insightful analysis. Uh, I'm there having good fun, and this, I thought, was another way of having some good fun. Uh, so we're going to do this uh, for the foreseeable future. Painter and the boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm unsure for now what we are calling this. We've got a couple of options. Uh, the Bagmen, uh, friends of the show, I think Dave McKinney put out there, friends as the, always, regardless of, of who I'm... Say program, that again? Yeah. Friends of the program. Friends of the program. Thank you, sir. Which I think uh, is a lovely name if I'm being, you know, if I'm being <laughs> honest, I think that's, I think that's perfect. Uh, but no matter what, no matter who I'm podcasting with, I'm, you know, I'm going to need y'all to carry this one. No, and I think it would be cool to, to maybe even crowdsource name ideas for, for a little while just to see yeah. if, you know, what sticks and what lands. Like, that would be, I'm totally open to that. You know, I'm just happy to be here, happy to be, uh, f- you know, full-time employed by The Observer. Uh, you know. We're paying them huge amounts yeah, of money to guys, give us literal me, time, their own free time. Let me tell you, those who are listening, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Bruce Pearl's introductory press conference where, you know, he, somebody asked him, you know, why Auburn? He said, did you see that? Did you see that job? Did you see that contract offer? That's kind of the way it was for me at The Observer, man. The Observer really... Really came through with the bag, so that's why I'm here. Uh, Pablo, I've no. been I've been meaning to ask. Go ahead before I derail the conversation. Oh no, I was just it's it's hard to say no when you see the offer on the table. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, why is Pablo Escobarner enjoying a jewel, the same jewel I'm enjoying right now? No, that's Dave that's got the jewel. Uh, wait a minute. Hold on. The the photograph. I believe he's referring Pablo. to your Twitter profile picture. Oh yes, oh, I'm yes. So sorry. I don't. I think both of you are jewelless at the moment. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you were talking jewels earlier, and I totally <laughs> didn't realize that was directed at me. I've always been curious about why it is that Pablo uh, Escobar's photo is linked to a jewel instead of many of the other things he could be doing. Yeah. No. I thought it was a very silly way to to incorporate that. Like, obviously, the man was not living in the era and you know you just kind of tap into the trendy thing of the of the culture you know with the with the kids these days and whatnot and it would just be a silly thing to do aside from the obvious you know like joint or cigarette or powder nose (laughs) (laughs) uh well we have we're where where are we here um are we more excited about the exhibition games for Auburn basketball, given that we think uh, the boys will be good again, or are we more excited for the pending and very nearly here football season? I'll, uh, you know, one thing that's going to, I don't want to say bother me because I really, again, I'm very, very uh, hashtag blessed to have Auburn basketball on TV in August, but I'm going to watch these three games. I'm going to watch every single minute of all three of them and live and die by every possession and then it's going to stop, and we're not going to have Auburn basketball again until November, and that's going to make me super sad. sad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 so like, it's just fun. Like it's a fun, the best. Our basketball team is fun, and that's not something that we've been able to say our entire uh, fan career. Um, like, and it's insane that like Auburn Auburn basketball having a scrimmage is on TV, like on ESPN. It's just, it's wild. And it's, 
it's really, really fun. And Jay and Billis is there, like giving yeah. some credibility, whatever it is you think of Jay Billis. Jay Billis is going, literally going across the world to watch Auburn basketball. It's insane. Um, so that to answer your question, question, I'll answer your question with this. I'm ready for November. Yeah, I think yeah. we'll win the Iron Bowl too. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Just <laughs> a kidding. big November for Pablo. Oh, I thought that's where you were going with the November thing. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. no. I mean, I, I'm not feeling great about our chances in Athens or in Tuscaloosa. I think the frustration of them even playing a close game with us in, in Jordan-Hare. Uh, I'm talking about Alabama. We did not play a close game, as you will all recall, against Georgia. But Yeah. Yeah, I'm – I am – so, again, derailing the conversation because we're, we're positive here. I'm kind of nervous about whatever it is that comes after Bruce. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. But, like, it's hard to have much faith in the administration that whatever it is that comes next is going to be half as good as this. So do you do you think with part of the, the way that the deal with him being the whole lifetime thing is, like, do you think it's part of it that, like, Steven is, like, the yes. guy in waiting? Yes. Please don't oh, overthink no. this. Yeah, I think so, too. How do you all feel about that? Now, yeah, Dave, th- go ahead. I think that's a possibility. I'll tell you who else. I'm a big Chad Pruitt guy. I think Chad Pruitt is a fantastic assistant basketball coach. I think he's a great basketball coach he in is. general. I think he's a good dude. I think he's a great dude. I think he's a good recruiter. Uh, that, but like you know, you mentioned uh, Stephen Pearl, but you look at the coaching staff. Like the coaching staff is full of really, really good assistants. You know, it's Stephen insane. Pearl, actually, Chad Pruitt, yeah. Wes Flanagan, all those guys. Uh, Marquise Daniels. Like, it's an awesome staff. So. Even if, you know if it is Stephen Pearl, after Bruce, just keep all those keep all those guys there. Dude, Mike Burgomaster, Mike Burgomaster is the freaking love man, that dude. guy. I love Mike. That guy love is that awesome. Guy. Mike I feel confident that if I ran into him in public, it yeah. would be a good night. Mike Burgomaster, oh, yeah, sure. if you're listening, uh, you are officially endorsed by the Auburn Observer podcast. He's Network. the he's the Brad Bedell of the basketball program. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. I never finished. Um, Succession. Would it be wild if they like passed up Steven and just gave it to Marquise? (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty wild. I think, I think that would be wild. I I will say, so going to the, the esteemed basketball banquet that I, that I got to attend, which to me is still amazing. And I think they're they're smart. Like that's one thing I love about Bruce or or whoever it was that paid enough attention. Okay. Well, excuse me for giving credit where it's due. Yeah. So, um, but obviously Bruce is Bruce, you know, the guys that we love are who we love, but like the guy you really don't get to hear talk a lot is, is Wes Flanagan. And I left that banquet being more impressed with wet, not, not to compare the two, but you know what I mean? Relative to what I thought, like Wes during his little time on the stage, you know, speaking and giving out awards and whatnot, like I just, I couldn't help just have that resounding feeling. Like if that guy walked in my living room, like I'm going to play for that guy. And he's, he's an awesome, like through and through cliche, cheesy as hell Auburn man. (laughs) And just his whole story. And just like, man, just, he's very poignant, you know, with his words. And I I absolutely love that guy. Like I love that guy more than ever now. And so like, I see him in a totally different light, getting to see some of that, you know, from behind the scenes in a more, you know, intimate environment like that. And just to think that like that caliber of guy is like not even your main guy. Like that's the kind of guys you've got as your support staff and assistant coaches. And 
just how all those guys piece all that together. I mean, it's it is pretty incredible that the, he's been able to keep assistance intact and, and keep that that continuity within the staff. I am yeah, I am curious about. You would think one of those guys at least would have gotten poached by now. Like we're talking about a team that's been on a pretty good – I know the COVID year was not a good year. Uh, It also wasn't a good year for Kentucky or Duke. And since we're a blue blood, like, you know, obviously there's exceptions. Uh, Yeah, I'm surprised none of those guys have left because they've gotten a head coaching gig. I would not be surprised if Wes was holding out until Allen was gone. And I, I could yeah. I could see him moving on, taking a decent job. And Wes, if you if you get that job, I'm just gonna assume it's because I'm shouting your praises on this very podcast. That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> but I mean, no, it's at, uh, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Pablo. Oh no, I was just saying. I mean, it's I I think I could see him being the the first one out to like take another gig. You know, like post post Allen. Yeah, but I mean, Todd Golden was on the staff for a while, and now he's the head coach of Florida. It's hard uh, yeah. to see him leaving that if things are going well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, KT Harrell was a grad assistant for what two years and just got. Where'd he I go? Think, I think he's now the direct, like direct, I think one, one, one the, of the I think director of basketball ops. ops at maybe yeah. Florida Atlantic. That sounds uh, right. I think, yeah, it's FAU. Yeah, that that's dude. Right. That dude also rules. Awesome. Well, man. we've got such fond KT. memories because he really did help usher yeah. in like the first thing, the first little bit of excitement we ever got from the Bruce Pearl era, as I remember it, standing in the village, uh, yeah. you know, eating like Denny's or something, watching him hit that shot against LSU. Yeah. Which, speaking of, can I can I pose a uh, can I pose a roundtable question? Yes. I have an answer to this, and I've long had an answer to this. If you could have one. Uh, previous Auburn basketball player who did not get to play under Bruce play under Bruce, who would it be? My answer is Chris Denson because Chris Denson was he graduated a year it was before electric. Bruce came, and Chris Denson would have been a freaking baller under Bruce Pearl. Like I'm talking, yeah, he would have been electric. I have long held the belief that Chris Denson would have been like all SEC first team under Bruce Pearl. I think it would have been awesome. Pablo, same, I don't have a good team. answer. What's your answer? No, same team, but I think Frankie would have cooked. Oh yeah. yeah. Frankie would have cooked in a Bruce offense for sure, and so a lot of people don't know this, but like I actually played on like a scrimmage squad at Auburn against like the women's basketball team. Yes, so, and so that I was always like in the building, and so you know it got to a point where like I was playing with the guys a lot, you know. So like they would they would run pickup, and you know I would just go up to the gym. We would play all the time. So that was the year KT transferred in from Clemson, and he he had to sit out a year due to the transfer rules at that time. So I got to see a little glimpse of that before it, it became the thing, you know, and it it pained me so bad playing with those guys and obviously seeing the teams play, but, like, seeing Frankie and KT on the same court in that practice setting but never getting to see that in the game because Frankie was gone as KT stepped right. in, that, that could have been a nice little link to, like, springboard, but at the same time you might not end up with – Bruce, yeah, <laughs> had yeah. that happen because the, the results are just would have a little been different. different. Yeah. I, yeah, do you guys do you guys think there are players like from before Bruce, like players in the Tony Barbie area, like are just like pissed, like oh why why did I have to play for Tony Barbie and these guys get to play for Bruce Pearl? Like I just think about guy like you know like Chris Denson, like all those guys, like. I feel like there's un, they were like there was untapped potential with those guys because the coaching staff was yeah. so bad. It's also yeah. interesting no, I, sure that uh, um, you think about, we were just talking about Westry. Like, 
I remember being so excited when I heard that KT was what transferring from Virginia. Yeah. And I think that would have still made waves because wasn't he a five star? Uh, I don't know if he was a five star, but he was definitely highly ranked. But he was from making stuff up. Was he originally from Montgomery? Yeah, he was from Montgomery. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was Virginia, not Clemson. I'm sorry. I knew it was one of those mid ass ACC <laughs> programs. Are we comparing Clemson basketball to Virginia basketball? I guess. Well, the last time we played Clemson, they ran us out of the gym, yeah? Uh, was that the last, that the last time we played yeah. them? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah that was... I watched that game at a bar and got obliterated. That was bad. What a so, weird year. What, yeah. We go 13-5 and five that year, and then Macklemore obviously gets hurt. And was Bryce banged up in the back end of the season, too? I can't remember. Didn't we win the SEC? I just remember. We did. We tied, I think. It, we yeah. tied, yeah. but yeah. I just remember not hitting anything. Yeah. Like it just I watched it at Beer Hog in Pelham, Alabama, on a blue tent TV and remember it vividly because me and two of my friends sat there just bored as hell. <laughs> well it's tough because you go into it, we had kinda what, we slogged through the first round game, we pulled it yeah. out and yeah, so we like barely like, got oh, past College of Charleston, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Who was it that yep. almost ruined our final four run in the first round? New Mexico State. Oh, my God. Yeah. Imagine how different Bruce's – we would think about Bruce's tenure yeah. if they ended that. With a, By yeah. the way, an, a very good open look as a time A wide expired. open three to win that game. Yeah. And just air Just goes ball. to show you, man, if it's, it's really difficult, obviously, to sustain that success. But, like, they're quite literally a game of inches in football and basketball. Cause there's several things that could have broken one way or another that just totally changes the legacy of a lot of these guys. Oh, oh my gosh, dude. Well, like, I feel like half of the fan base, like the, you know, the casual fan base wouldn't even know who Jared Harper is at this there point. There was almost a revolt. Shot guy in. Yeah, dude. After we, after we got swept by Ole Miss the Final Four season, I, I don't remember exactly what our record was, but maybe we were like, Six and seven or something in conference play. Somebody will correct me if I get that wrong, but we were in a kind of in a rough spot, like you know, a decent way into conference play in the Final Four run. And yeah. I felt like people were like, "Oh yeah, you know, the the Jared Harper, the Bryce Brown things not working out. Is Bruce really the guy for the job?" Yeah. Yada yada. Oh, I don't, dude, I remember. Um, I remember the Kentucky game. That is like. I remember we were I was at Patrick's at, wedding. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say we were at a friend's wedding and we were watching that game, and I think it was like I think the final score was like eighty-five to fifty-four or something. Just got absolutely smoked. And some I don't remember who it was. Somebody was like, "We look like a middle school basketball team," and then we went to the <laughs> final four and beat Kentucky in the Elite Eight. So to be fair, we did look. So oh yeah, bad. that was terrible. It was we awful. looked so bad in that game. We're gonna get that uh-huh. win at Rupp one day, though. It's we're we're gonna it's coming. We're gonna get it. I don't think I the the back and forth of the Kentucky fans this year was so satisfying. Yeah, that was fun. That was very fun. Uh, when they lost to uh, St. Peter's, <laughs> that's cool. embarrassing. I really well, and you know we got our comeuppance quickly days later. But I was really we didn't lose bitter. in the first round though. No, we did not. Nope. We didn't lose to a 15 seed that nobody ever heard of before that. Nope. What is the guy's name? What was the coach's name? He's now at Seton Hall. Oh, I man. Don't I don't even remember. I don't know, but good for him. I don't know how he's going to do it. Yeah, Seton good Hall, for that guy. Man. Good for good for that guy. Don't remember his name. Yeah. Probably won't remember his name going forward, <laughs> but good for that guy. What was his name? Yeah. 
<laughs> Seton Hall is usually pretty good too, so that'll be interesting to see. All right, decent, well, decent little conference they got up there. What's uh, what else is going on in the basketball world? I have no idea what to expect out of these second and third games. I'm thinking the second game is going to be somewhat of a replay from what we watched today, but not nearly as bad. I don't Shaheen, know, man. Like some Shaheen of these Holloway dudes were like name. very good. Yeah, yeah, Holloway. That's right. Sorry, yeah, I, I mean, some of those out. guys on that team are. I mean, they were decent, you know, really good college basketball players too. So, you know, they're a little more experienced, been in the professional ranks for a little bit, albeit a lesser league. It'll it'll be intriguing. They'll, it'll be a stiffer competition for sure than what we just watched. I like that. I like I, the assertiveness. Uh, I really – I really enjoy. No, I'm not going. I mean, I don't know. I really. You could tell me they could beat us by 20, or we win by 20, and it, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Like I don't know. Like I really have no way to gauge that. Yeah, my my ability to uh, have paid any attention to the uh, Israeli national team has been at a minimum up until basically yeah, the I last haven't, few days. Haven't caught any minutes of the Israeli basketball league this year, unfortunately. But I Dave, I think you had a you had a point about. Um, what it is Auburn is doing, basically, uh, in the geopolitical landscape. Oh yeah, I mean, let's just let's just put it out there right now. Auburn basketball is Jesus's favorite basketball team. That's just a fact. Um, For sure. You know, we're out there. You know, out there doing the Holy Land. Um, the content coming out of this trip has been incredible. We're breaking uh, specifically, and again, you know, Auburn has always been God's chosen people, and we're just proving that now. Um, you know, it started with Cam Newton, and it just has continued. And uh, you know, anyway, um, he's always and, testing us, right? Yeah, just blessed and highly favored. You know, uh, but you know what they say: God gives His uh, toughest battles to His toughest warriors, and that's just what that's just what the Tigers are doing, man. Um, but the picture of the picture that Wendell Green tweeted out of Wendell Green yes. and Bruce Pearl both shirtless in the pool, and Bruce Pearl drinking. Uh, what I assume is an Israeli craft beer out of a frozen glass is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I wondered, I was like, do the players get to enjoy beers? Or is that like Bruce is like, hey, I put in the time. Well, I mean, I don't know what the drinking yeah, I don't know. is in Israel. I don't know how I that works. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I wonder if it's, it's 18 like or if they the can't do it at all. But they've got to, you know, they don't play again until Sunday, so. Right. You could throw down realistically and recover. Yeah. Do we 100%. think who... Who on that team enjoys a, a IPA the most or a craft beer? Carter Sobera. Yeah, I'm going to go with Leor Berman, maybe. <laughs> so anyone in the main rotation? Is anyone? I, gosh, main rotation. And that's I, fine. I there see. may not be. They may be too dedicated to the craft. Oh, Although man, if I was 20 and tough. very good at sports, I would – be enjoying myself whenever the I'm gonna go. Arose. I'm gonna go Zep because he's he's a little more seasoned of a man. Yeah. Well, they don't really you know they don't really serve IPAs at Skybar Banner. So. <laughs> no, no. I will say not. though something that has you know, you know going to the Final Four that's great. Winning the SEC that's awesome. Bruce Pearl's propensity as a fairly large fella to take his shirt off in public is inspiring stuff for people like me in the big boy community. Um, yeah, I feel yeah, like Bruce is in good shape. He just clearly oh. hasn't given up like the finer right. parts of life. Like I actually think right. he's in good shape, but like, yeah, I mean, he's got a little evidence that he enjoys. He's doing it. He's doing uh, it Bruce is gonna he's gonna drink the beer. He's gonna eat the piece of cheesecake, and he you know eat healthy and stay active and live a long 
long, fulfilling life. He's doing it perfectly. He's doing it yeah. perfectly. It's the way to do it. Goals. Who is the guy is on the this team that has the most fun? Who is the guy that, if you oh, were to go... It's got to be Dylan. Yeah, it's, it's Dylan, Dylan Cardwell. Dylan. Dylan Cardwell was, yeah, you're right. Dylan That's Cardwell was running down the court, pumping up the crowd. Yeah, he was like pointing out. He was like pointing out <laughs> kids in the crowd. Like it was awesome. How about the incredible Alabama sweatshirt person? Amazing. What? I believe there was an uh, Alabama oh, guard yeah, yeah, I did. at I the okay. game, and I, I saw like, that picture. Yeah, okay. yeah, very good. Here yeah. we are. I believe Naturally. it's. I think it's. Uh, I think it's Jason Caldwell, aka ITAT Jason, on Twitter that always points out, like, he, his, like, running Twitter joke is pointing out Alabama fans at Auburn sporting events where Alabama's not playing. I really, uh, yeah. I really appreciate that uh, uh, about Jason. What a yeah, we saw – I saw two at the Penn State game that walked by while we were waiting to go in the gate, and the throng of boos that came and rained down upon them from Penn State and Auburn fans was yeah. quite hilarious. I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, the Birmingham Bowl this past year. Uh, no, I don't. A lot what, of – What happened? A lot of Alabama fans at that game. Oh, what did happened? Did we play in the Birmingham uh, Bowl? I was thinking we, we were yeah, in Florida. Auburn went, went yeah, ahead and I thought played like the Birmingham Bowl. Team or something, yeah. Uh, lost to Houston, and my wife and I both got COVID from attending that game. So, Are we on the Dana Holgerson awesome train? Do we like him? Do we? Are we annoyed by him? What is the official stance of this unnamed podcast? I'm a, I'm a little indifferent on Dana. I mean, he doesn't doesn't particularly bother me, but something about the way he looks really annoys me. Dana it can, he's just me. it's just got that he's just got that stringy kind of like weird hair like something about his face it just kind of looks like like sleazy but he doesn't seem like a terrible guy at the same time so totally judging a book by its cover but I think maybe he has had a bit of a checkered past like doing shady stuff so maybe that checks out I can't tell if it's trying too hard or if it's not trying at all not trying at all right mm-hmm. yeah it's it's hard to hard to tell with that guy. He kind of, to me, has that that Mike Leach thing where people on college football Twitter just think everything he says is funny or noteworthy, but it's actually not funny at all. I'm like the number one Mike Leach hater. (laughs) Uh, I I don't really – his quirks are not really funny to me. I think he's a bad football coach. Um, If he's listening to this podcast. And yet. And yet. (laughs) Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that. But are we experiencing the the Mississippi? Back to the battles and whatnot. Are we experiencing the Mississippi phenomena? Is that that happening to you, Dave? Wait, which is what? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, Painter. Yes. I know where you're going with this. Like, I get it from Arkansas. They're just terminally online. It's just Arkansas, right. Whatever. That comes with the territory. But I thought we were cool, the old old state and Ole Miss fans. Um, And for some reason, I... I don't know if they're trying to pull us down to their level or they think they're pulling themselves up. Yeah, it's a little of both. Um, I, I think it's a – it is interesting that you don't hear as much from the Ole Miss fans, even though I feel like that is a superior program. But for whatever reason, we just beat them all the time like we do Arkansas. And so, like, losing that one to Mississippi State kind of really set that slander back a little bit. Um, but it is a lot of projecting insecurity – because it's it's like they want us to be what they are, and we've actually like hit that pinnacle, have some Heisman winners, have won SEC and competed for championships, like that kind of stuff. So it's like obviously we're not Georgia, obviously we're not Alabama, but we're closer to that than we are to like what Mississippi State and Ole Miss yeah, is. Yeah, I would put us in the tier of Florida and Tennessee, and I know some of those fan right. bases would bristle at that, but I 
think we have the head-to-head against both of those teams, even though those teams boast more national titles. And I'm not as bullish on the Tennessee titles because I believe the majority, if not maybe all but one of their titles, came pre-integration. So it's like, all right, I mean, yeah, you guys definitely are one of the more historic (laughs) programs. However... You know, you haven't beaten your biggest rival, Alabama, in 15 years. You haven't been to an SEC title yeah. in 15 years. Like, right. What are we doing? Not even – you're just not – yeah, you're not competitive. Like, 15 years is plenty of sample size to kind of, like, set a pecking order. Like, relax. Yeah. When is the last time – when is the last time Tennessee went to the SEC championship? Didn't they go in 06 when they, or something? Or like, 0, I think they yeah. went against us in 04, and then I do believe that they went one more time. Yeah, they played. Uh, I, I want to say it was that next year in '05, but I, know, I don't. They didn't win. Um, I know that. I know that Auburn <laughs> would have gone that year in '05. I don't know who the East per team was, but Auburn would have gone if uh, John Vaughn, Brentwood, Tennessee native, as just as Brentwood, myself, Tennessee. John Vaughn, had made one of five field goals at LSU. One of five, just yeah, one, just one of them, right there. Just one. Man. I guess for his, he redeemed himself with the Devin Aroma should do Courtney Taylor, yeah. but I mean that was basically an extra point. Yeah, that one's a toughie. Also, uh, why don't we wade into some more controversial territory here? Oh yeah, uh, we don't All have right. Bo Nix as our quarterback this year. One of I think the most polarizing Auburn players ever. I think that is actually not a hot take. Uh, no, that's that's true. The the interesting thing about Cox is that like. I wonder what his career at Auburn would have been like if there were social media because there were some real high highs with him. I think what he start three years and I want to say they won like nine, 11 and nine games. Like overall the results are pretty good, but he had some pretty bad games in there that were, that were pretty costly to us as well. I will never forget, uh, and I, I was a Brandon Cox. I'm, I'm a Brandon Cox guy. I know Brandon Cox is a Twitter guy. He may be, you know, online. He may find this audio. Uh, Trustville native, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was Trustville, yeah. I'm not Cox a hater. Hater. He brought me some good memories. I oh, just yeah. think it's interesting how he's remembered. And, look, there was some success that were had in his in his time. I, I just wonder if there's, like, you know, with, with time, there, there almost grows some fondness. The Georgia Tech. Uh, well, I mean, did he, the Georgia did he ever lose to Alabama? Tough. Correct. I mean, I that think was, that that probably has a lot to do with that too. You know, you beat yeah. your main rivals, and like you know, you you won the bigger some of the bigger games. Like easier to remember a guy like that fondly years after his playing days are done. I feel like he yeah. was a little bit he was a little bit Tuberville esque. You know, like he like you said beat Alabama, beat Georgia, but then he also threw five interceptions against Tech against Georgia Tech, and we lost right at home. Right. Or like, was he the quarterback when we lost to? Uh, USF that one year, I believe he was. I believe I think that was like that 07. was those seven, yeah, the crazy year, like maybe yeah, the most insane yeah, yeah. year in college football yeah, history. Um, and I was like all in on the Cody Burns train when they were kind of like splitting stuff uh, near the end of that one season. I was all in on Cody Burns, big still you, big Cody Burns guy. <laughs> when you look at how football was played at Auburn in the mid two thousands to how it is being played now. We are virtually playing a different sport. The game is yeah, not it is. at all the same. Right. Yeah, and I feel like we haven't even – I mean, well, I mean, Gus obviously ushered in the whole spread era and whatnot, and, like, we still run that even with this new system to an extent. But, like, 
probably gone back a little bit more, you know, toward a more balanced kind of pro style offense and even some West Coast elements type stuff, which was very, very big in like those mid two thousands offensively. But yeah, it's it's a totally different sport. Like the positions, like that where you need your studs at, like some of that has remained the same, but like you can like edge rushers were nice then, but like now edge rushers are gold and like wide receivers were nice then, but now wide receivers are gold. So it's just like it's it's definitely changed. Well, I feel like we're on the football topic here. Um, David, I don't get the vibe that you're a believer. And I'll be honest with you, this is the most indifferent I've ever been in the offseason. I really did. For somebody who's like actually uh, is supposed to be pretty tuned into this, it was a tough offseason for me to care at all about football. And then around media days, as it always happens, I started convincing myself you know what? What if the offensive line is competent? What if Zach Calzada is that dude? We have like 12 receivers. Like three of them have to be pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm not a, like, you know, anything can happen. I don't know that those things are going to happen. <laughs> um, but they could. I, uh, You're right. I'm not really a believer. I think it could be a tough season. I think it probably Probably will be, but uh, let me. Can I have the floor here for just a second? Let me get a monologue. This out. thing. Um, Go for it, Dave. Are you guys? Are you guys? Are either of you guys familiar with the 1995 uh, heist film Heat? Yeah, I think you uh, you wrote a piece about this. Yeah, recently. so I wanted to get this out. Um, so the turning point in the <laughs> 1995 film Heat, directed by Michael Mann, starring Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, is <laughs> so it's Robert De Niro is a career thief bank robber and his crew is him and uh, a guy named Tom Sizemore Val Kilmer and Danny Trejo and so this is gonna this is gonna take up a few minutes so let me just get through this um so there that Rob that that crew Robert Nero's crew is on uh, you know they're doing all these jobs they're robbing banks whatever whatever and they're starting to feel some heat which is the name of the movie uh from LAP LAPD detective Vincent Hanna played by Al Pacino so they go and they're robbing, they're trying to rob this metal depository and they get, um, you know, they figure out they're being surveilled by the police and all this stuff. And so they regroup and they talk about this bank job that they've been planning. And they want to say like, you know, they're trying to figure out if it's worth it. If they do the bank job, they're going to stick together, do the bank, whatever, take it down. If they don't, they're going to separate, they go their separate ways, it's over. So Val Kilmer says, the, you know, he needs the money, he's a gambler, he needs money. Tom Sizemore says the action is the juice, right? The action is the juice, which means he doesn't care about the money. He doesn't care about the reward. For him, just doing the crime, doing the robbery is the reward, right? So I started thinking about how that relates to college football because that's just how my brain works. Yeah. Auburn is probably not going to win the national championship. And if you are, a, if you are not a fan of... Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, or Oklahoma, or you know whatever the teams that have been to the playoff. You're not a team. You're not a fan of one of those teams. Your team's probably not going to win the national championship either. But that doesn't mean <laughs> that you shouldn't. You're not. You should not enjoy college football. The goal for you as a fan, unless you are a fan of one of those teams I mentioned, should not be a national championship. If you get a national championship, that's great. But just enjoy college football, man. Just you know, I don't watch. Um, 
you know, I don't start watching college football at 8 in the morning and watch until 2 in the morning the West Coast games because I think there's playoff implications. Like, I'm not going to watch, like I said in that blog that I wrote, yeah. I'm not going to watch Penn State and Illinois play nine overtimes that are just two-point conversions over and over again because I think one of them is going to win the national championship. I don't care about the playoff. I don't care about watching Georgia beat Michigan by 40. I certainly don't care about watching Alabama beat Michigan State or Washington or Cincinnati or whoever it is that is the sacrificial lamb for Alabama that year. I just like college football. I like the chaos of it. I love college football, man. I don't care about the playoff. If Auburn goes to the playoff one year, amazing. I love it. I'm all in. I will be devastated if they lose, just like I was devastated when I went to Pasadena and they lost that game. But for me, in college football, really, the action is the juice, man. It's 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 the regular season, it's the you know, the late night games, it's the stupid stuff like again the that stupid, stupid rule about, oh, after three overtimes, it's just two-point conversions. <laughs> that is the most college football thing of all time. That is so stupid, yeah. it makes no sense, but it's hilarious. Are we in or out on that? Like, do we think in five oh, years no. they change that back I'm to something? I'm so out well, on it. I'm out on it being a good rule. I'm in on it being hilarious. Because, again, it will yeah. never not be funny that Penn State and Illinois, I think those are the teams, played yes. a yeah, nine-overtime game, and the final score was 20-18. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. How many did we have in the Iron Bowl? How many? Four or five? Four. Four. Yeah, so even aside from the result of that game, because it would be easy to be like, oh, I hate it because of that. But, no, I, I think it's stupid, like, regardless. Even before that game even happened, it's like it's a stupid, arbitrary, just insane rule. Like, you're not, you're not playing football. Like, just, I don't know. Right, right. That bothers me. But let me hop back in and say – if that rule ever benefits Auburn, I will become the biggest fan of that rule you'll ever have seen. Like <laughs> right. The the you know the extra innings in baseball thing where you start with someone on second now. Uh, the Braves are like, uh, since that rule has been uh, since that rule has been like initiated, I think the Braves and the Nationals are like the two worst extra inning teams in the entire yeah. Major League Baseball. But as soon as it benefits you know the teams that I like, I'm all in. I love it. Yeah, and now the the action is the juice. That's a good that's a good way to put it. I like to think of it like, do y'all remember the kid from the video in Buffalo a while back? It was like nighttime. It's cold. It's like breath is coming out. And he's like, oh, you're speaking it's fried chicken now. It's fried chicken. I like fried chicken. <laughs> like right. that's how I feel about college football. Yeah, it's just like, and I, it's weird because I feel like college football gets looked at in that lens, whereas like other sports don't at all. You know, like why are you watching the Angels play the Dodgers on a Tuesday on ESPN? Like you you know that. Like, the Angels are not going to win the World Series. You know what I mean? So it's like people don't view those games in that light. And I guess because there's so many of them maybe in the other sports. But, like, even NFL is not viewed that way. You know, it's like it's not necessarily a direct result to what's going to lead to the postseason. But, like, I don't know. For some reason, those kind of games get diminished and people feel like you should check out way earlier than yeah. you should when it's yeah. like, I still like this team. And, like, if they're 7-3 and three going into game 11, like – I'm going to be there and, like, cheering for it just like I would any other game, you know? So it's like yeah. that's – be invested in that way, and it's probably just better for everybody involved. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, Painter, and this is, this is a special message to you, how I relate this to you. It's like pizza, right? Like there's, there's good pizza, and then there's, like, pizza that's not as good, but there's not bad pizza. Like you've never Still not pizza, enjoyed yeah. eating pizza. Like I'm going, I'm going to watch 14 hours of college football every Saturday in the fall. And it's always going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I've traveled quite literally across across the country, like knowing 
there's a fair chance like Auburn might lose a game. You know, so it's like I'm not going because I think they're going to win necessarily. Like I'm going to watch the game like for a right. team that I care about. So right. I can already hear there's like some people listening to this that are like, well, if you don't care about winning, why are you watching it all? And it's like easy, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, Peter, you and I talked about it off air. Like the Georgia game last year, we were not going to win that game at all. No. no. It takes the pressure off if you walk into the game right. knowing that, hey, we don't have this one. Exactly. Oh, yeah. we, maybe, maybe we'll score. Maybe. Might score crossing the 50 a few times yeah yeah but like you know i'm still gonna sit down i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna yeah hang out with my friends i'm gonna drink beers i'm gonna eat sh- shitty food all day like that it's just you know yep. it's great that's what i'm gonna do it's what i'm gonna do auburn could, let me tell you you know you said if they're seven and three going in let me auburn could be oh and 11 going into the iron bowl and i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch the entire right. game i will go absolutely yeah. <clears throat> And yeah, if it's in Jordan here, I feel actually somewhat reasonable about our chances. Yeah, yeah it's like you maybe know not, why not? Maybe not this year. No, no. And I, I think don't I like said this, playing over there. I hate that. I said this whatever. on the last podcast. Like this is going to be a very, very hard judgment year for Brian Harson, and it just kind of sucks for him that he has to go to Athens and to Tuscaloosa, and to I mean, you can add Oxford in there. Like you know, I, I maybe a hot take. I think that boats well actually, because it's already the two games you expect to lose and they're on the road, so you justify them as being losable games. So, you know you don't need to beat Bama this year. You don't need to beat Georgia this year. It's go a 10-game season. Losses. It's a 10-game season, 100%. So, this is where I'll go into the Thanos pitch of perfectly balanced as all things should be. So, like I, I don't know, man. I It's easy to talk myself into like them being better than expected. And when I say that, I'm not like overly optimistic and I'm like, we're going to go 11 and one, win the national championship. Blah. You know, I'm not doing that. So like, I'm still thinking like better than expected, you know, eight and a four, you know, like, give me that, you know, like maybe something along those lines, but like, man, it's like, I unpack it. I think about it. And it's like you were saying, you, know, you weren't too, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the off season, not much hype. You had all the momentum of how the wheels fell off toward the end of the year. But then it's like, take a step back you know, like, why did you lose some of those games? Like, it's reasonable that those coordinators are no longer here. Like, it's there's more of a unified front. And, I mean, I know it's offseason. I know we're reading reports, and I know we're getting all the fluff. But, like, it's it does just seem as a more unified team when, like, everybody is of the same mindset as opposed to a hodgepodge of guys you were forced to hire. And I'm sure you all have – been privy basically to that information as well that you know some of them guys are kind of shoehorned in there so that's that's part of you know kind of how that goes and so now that everybody kind of is and now that Auburn loves this spot right like Auburn wants to be counted out like everybody gets to galvanize around that so it's it's almost like to make it a political thing like everything looks so bad like with the Democrats and like how everything was going not to get too political but just <laughs> oh, wow. to make a parallel here we go we're doing we're doing politics right. Yeah, but, like, just to make that parallel, like, everything was looking so bad. Like, yeah, you know, the, the momentum's bad, inflation's bad. They're going to get absolutely washed in the midterms. And then this abortion thing comes along, and it's like, okay, here's your galvanizing moment to just, like, completely turn that, you know. And, like, you had this thing that you probably would have otherwise ran over, and now now you've got these two entities, you know, kind of competing against each other when you you've now changed that dynamic from an outside factor. So it's, I don't know, it's a weird spot to be in. And I think it's a good spot to be in for Auburn's sake that, like, nobody thinks they're going to do it because now 
all these guys on the team, you know, see that. They believe in that. And that's that's a galvanizing thing. And like you said, the entire offensive line is back. That has to count for something, right? Like everybody is a year older. Everybody is experienced. Like what I mean, between games started, is it going to be the most experienced line in the league? Like that quite possibly might be the case. I would think it has to be one of the yeah, top so two. Yeah, so it's like. I mean, we've got Nick Brahms has been here for what, like six years? John Samuel yeah. Shanker, I know he plays tight end, but. Dude, Austin Troxel, a lot of Austin Troxel was being recruited when I was working at twenty four seven in like two thousand thirteen. <laughs> so he's yeah, been here for so right. long. I remember interviewing so him outside like, the athletic complex, and that was so long ago. And so that has to count for something, like cohesion and experience at, as a unit. Like you have to at least expect him to progress somewhat. So okay, maybe we run the ball marginally better. Okay, well you have Tank. He's a year older. You've got you've got a nice one two, maybe even three punch now with. Uh, Damari coming in there. Wide receiver, obviously a question mark. But Coy Moore, I think, is going to be fire. Like, I, I think that dude is going to – he's going to turn some heads. You've got plenty of speed guys, you know, with – They're putting Coy Moore on the slaughtering table if they're talking him up the way they are and he's just yeah, mad. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously. But, I mean, you've got Javarius, you've got Tavares, you know, you've got these guys and, you know, Capers. These dudes that, like – definitely have talent that are just going to have to kind of step up and fill the role. Landon King obviously came along pretty strong toward the end of last year. Like, why would you not expect that guy to be a little bit better with another offseason under his belt? Like, Shedrick is back. A lot of experience. Not the most explosive guy, but, like, he can block. He's going to run the routes. He's reliable. You know, he's like that kind of guy. So, there's experience there to kind of build around. And then the defense, like, I'll just say it. Like, it's going to be nasty. Like, there's no way it's not nasty. As long as they're healthy. Him, yeah, which so that leaves us with football is not a sport where health has ever been a problem. Yeah, exactly. So that leaves us with the most important position at quarterback. So if the quarterback play is marginally better, I refuse to believe that like no matter when the game is played, when we kick off against teams like LSU this version, you know, this year or Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Arkansas, like there's those are almost going to be pick 'em or single single point spreads and maybe even like field goal or less spreads depending on how the results are going at that given time so it's a 10 game season two of those games are away we play eight games at home eight of those 10 games are at home like i I don't think people really factor that in so like there's a lot that like you can kind of look at and easily talk yourself into like this being better than five and seven last in the west I'm fascinated about that wow. A&M game because I feel like if we're having the kind of season we were when we were six and two and then you catch a team like A&M I think it's another close game at home that we yeah. won't be favored in but we could win right I think uh, exact same thing but then at the same time if we go into that I don't know exactly what number on the schedule game that is but you know if we go into it like four and four I'll A&M I, yeah, yeah. What 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 game? I it's, think that's what, like the first week in November or something. Yeah, it's November twelfth, so that's oh, okay. like two weeks before the Iron Bowl. Yeah, so that'll I be like Pablo, the tenth game. I think Pablo just sold me. I think we're going. I think we're going fifteen and zero. Well, I put all yeah. my hopes on just, onto Seth Kalina's projection that you know he really liked uh, Calzada from the Alabama game on because like probably just about all of you listening. My thoughts on Calzada, and I watched him like a fair amount because I caught a number of A&M games last year. I'm not going to pretend that I knew that much about the team, but I did end up watching Calzada a good bit. And I was just like, yeah, he went blackout uh, against Alabama, right. and then that was it. And, you know, someone who is at least 
much smarter and much more in tune with with quarterback play seems to think he was one of the better quarterbacks from that game on yeah and so I mean that's I, I think all that is very important context so it's like with what you saw like Finley was bad like there's no bones about it like he was just pretty damn bad at the end of the year and like there's just almost nothing you can do in today's era of college football to win games if your quarterback play is bad and it was bad after bad after bad after bad after bad so five in a row bats <laughs> so so you know you get those results and so like if that quarterback play is marginally better with the talent we already have on the roster like you're already you're going to be more talented than Arkansas you're going to be more talented than Ole Miss now I don't mean you're going to win the games but like you've got a chance the moment it kicks off for that very reason so if quarterback play marginally improved over what we saw at the tail end of the year when again every single one of those games was still winnable all things considered like i just there's no way there's no way they're going last in the west (laughs) yeah i i've partially done spin zone but i also think that as it's been said many times they were six and two and a few plays away from probably winning eight games you know you can divvy up the three that they lost against state and South Carolina and Alabama, however you want. But I think in a lot of simulations, they probably win two of those three games. It seems like all signs point to Calzada being the guy too. And so, like you said, I think it's important to gauge that context too, of like how he finished the year versus how he started, you know, I mean, he, he came in the start of the year, basically in the role that Finley stepped into at the end of the year for us. So like he wasn't the guy, you know, he was getting the backup reps and it became the starter. So it's, you've got to expect some progression. Again, he's a year older. He's a year experienced. The game just naturally slows down or it should. So like that, that kind of stuff, like it bodes well to, there should be some kind of marginal improvement. And if you can put all those pieces together, have a little more downhill run game that's a little more reliable because last year it was fine running the ball against Arkansas. It was fine running the ball against Ole Miss. Those teams weren't a problem. We couldn't run it on A&M. We couldn't run it on Georgia. We couldn't run it on Alabama, the, the ones with elite defensive fronts. So that's that's going to be the kicker. You know, if we can run the ball against those better defenses, quarterback play probably isn't going to matter all that much against those other teams if we can play almost equal to even what we did last year. So we're going to keep doing this. We're working out the details on how we're going to do it. Uh, the reception to the to the first podcast we did a while back was was overwhelmingly excellent, which obviously we love. Uh, but uh, you know, you, no introduction needed. I kind of sped through and didn't really give any sort of indication of what was going on at the beginning when we introduced this. But uh, Dave and Pablo are on board with the Observer, and we're working out the details. But boys. Enjoyed yeah, lawyer, the first round uh, of it. My lawyer's still you know, going over the contract and the offer and everything, but uh, we should have something uh, should have something hashed out pretty soon. We've got some yeah. we've got some things boiling. Might put a no trade clause in there, something along those lines. Uh, well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, twelve and zero. Guys, I've been, <laughs> I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited to see what the outro song is going to be. I've been working on a playlist. It's not quite curated the way I need it to be yet, but we'll uh, I'll get that to you soon. Nice.